now take you into a service already in progress where Pastor Ashish exhorts the congregation and leads them in making the declaration. And right after this is a life-changing message for you. Say this with me. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I am saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I am blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of his blessing to many people. I receive his word. I believe his word. And I live by his word. Christ is my master, and to him I am in absolute surrender in Jesus' name. I think all of us agree that the Bible, God's word, is very important, uh, and we need to give it time in our lives, in our everyday lives. But the fact is, all of us are very busy. You know, you got school, you got college, you got exams, or in the workplace, you know, you got to work day, and some of us work at night call centers, all kinds of things. We're just very busy uh, that we say, you know, I don't have time to read the Bible. I don't have time for the Word of God. I'm very busy. But I think the problem really is not external. It's not about our schedule. It's not about how busy your schedule is. I think the underlying problem is our attitude towards the Word of God. The underlying problem is that we... While we acknowledge with our heads that God's word is important, somehow we are not truly convinced about it in our hearts. That somehow inside of us, our heart is not gripped with the reality of what the word of God means to us as believers and what the word of God can do in us. Some of you are not gripped with that. And that's why, you know, we don't have time for the Bible. But if something is very important, the fact is you and I will make time for it. Amen? If something's really important, you will make time for it. And so, hopefully at the end of the service this morning, a heart attitude towards the word and, and the importance that it has in our lives will be affected, will be changed, will be taken up to a new level and, and you and I will go back with a, with a stronger passion for the word of God and begin to give God's word its place in our lives and begin to spend time in it. Let's begin by just talking about God's relation to his word. Some few things. God's relation to his word, you know, how does God relate to his word? What's the relationship between God and his word? Is God just a writer of a book that he says, you know, I'm so bored, you guys read it. I'm done. 66 books, that took me a long time to write, you know. Is that God's relationship to the word? That he wrote a book? It's the most popular book on planet earth. It's been translated in all languages. It's available in all kinds of, all forms. And God says, you know, I did a great job writing. Now you guys read it. I think God's relationships to his word is not just one of a writer or an author, that God authored a book and he wants us all to read it. Here are some things that you and I probably are familiar with, but it's good to remind ourselves, first of all, that God, God's word, is really a revelation of God himself. God and his word are one. 
They're inseparable. God's word reveals God. It is is an expression of who God is. It's his nature. It's an expression, a revelation of his will. What does God will? It's an expression of his heart. So much so that God is called the word. In John chapter 1, verses 1, verse 1, 2, and verse 14, it says, In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word was God. God is called the word. You can't get any closer than that. God and his word are inseparable. And then it says in verse 14, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So the incarnation is also a manifestation of the living word. God and his word are one. Which means this, that if you and I really want to get to know God, the primary source of knowing God is his word. Amen? You really want to get to know God, you've got to get to know his word. Now, many of us tend to rely on experiences. You know, we try to create our impression of God, our picture of God, through experiences, what we go through in life. Sometimes we even look at other people's experiences and use that to create a picture of God and arrive at some conclusions on who God is. But that's very dangerous because our experiences or other people's experiences could leave us with a wrong understanding of God. It could leave us with misconceptions of God. Because the right place, the primary place to get to know God is His words. If there is any experience that you have, or you and I have, or any experience that we see somebody else have, which contradicts what the word of God says, then we have a right to question that experience, but cannot question the word. Amen? However, sometimes even preachers elevate experience above the word, and that's not right. The primary place to know God is his word. God reveals himself in his word. Secondly, we must understand that God's power and authority is released through his word. God's word is an expression of his power and his authority. God's word is weighty. It is packed with his power and his authority. So much so in, again, a very familiar verse of scripture in Psalm 33, verse 3 and 6. It says, for by the word of the Lord were the heavens made and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. God created everything by his word. The power to create all of it was released when he spoke his words. God's word is inherent with the power of God. Verse 6 says, he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. He spoke, it was done. He commanded, be there, be there, be there. And it was done, all set in place by the power of his word. And what an amazing thought that God intends to work in you and me by his words. So many of us say, God, please work in me. What's he going to do? I mean, he's going to stretch out his hand from heaven and do something in you. I think sometimes that's what we imagine. During worship time, the hand of God would split the heavens, come all the way down and do something in me. Now, true, God's presence will do that at times. But understand that when God wants to work in you and me, he does it by his word. His word is weighty. His word is packed with his power and authority. And if that word will gain entrance into you, it will do amazing things in you and me. Amen? God works in us by his word. And thirdly... God's word 
is his covenant to us. It's his bond. You know, the words of man are very, very fragile. And I tell somebody, I'll meet you there at 5 o'clock. And I try hard, but sometimes I can't make it. Something happens. But God's not like that. He always shows up and he says he will. He never fails his word. His word is his covenant. It's a solemn promise. It's his oath that he will never break. And he will not go back. And that's why in Numbers the 23rd chapter verses 19 it says, God is not a man that he should lie. He's not like the son of man that he would go back or repent on what he said. Has he spoken? Shall he not make it good? Has he said? Will he not keep it? God's word is his bond. He will do what he said. Therefore, God's word is a sure foundation for you and me to stand on. If there is anything that you and I can put our whole life on, it is the word of God. Amen. That's a sure foundation. Why? Because God backs up his word. In Jeremiah, he said, in Jeremiah 1.10, he said, I will watch over my word to perform it. I will watch over my word. If I've spoken it, I'll, I'll guarantee it. I stand as a guarantee to my word. I'll perform it. God's word is his bond. So this is God's relationship. I think just three simple things. God's word reveals God. God's word carries his power and authority. When he has spoken it, there is no force on earth that can stop it. And God's word is his bond to you. It's his covenant to you. It's a solemn promise to you. Saying, I'll do this for you. Amen. But now you and I need to give time for this word in our lives. You know, the fact is this, that whatever we tolerate will dominate. Whatever you tolerate will dominate. So if you tolerate a very busy schedule, so busy that you have no time for God, that's what will dominate your life. But if you will confront it, you will never change anything unless you're willing to confront it. You will never change anything unless you're willing to confront it. So you must confront your busy schedule saying, busy schedule, I do not tolerate you in my life. I will confront it. I will readjust my schedule in order to give time for this word because this word is important. Amen? And until you're willing to confront it, you will never see change. Now, let's talk about some pictures in the word of God. Uh, just to show us, you know, what God's Word can do in our lives. Now, there are many, many pictures in the Word of God, but I've just picked out a few of them for us this morning to consider. First of all, in, in God's Word, the Word of God is like milk, bread, and solid food. First Peter chapter 2, verse 2 says, tells us, you know, Peter writes to us, he says, you know, lay aside all malice and hatred, get rid of all those things. And as newborn babies crave for the pure milk of the word so that you can grow by it. So he's saying, just like how little babies cry out for milk, we must crave for the pure milk of the word so that we can grow by it. And then Jesus likened the word of God with the bread we eat. You know, when Satan came and tempted him, he quoted from the Old Testament scripture. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So he likened every word that proceeds from the mouth of God to bread. Man cannot live by bread alone. He needs the word of God. What bread is for the physical body, the word of God is to your inner being. 
the writer of Hebrews took it a step further and he says, you know, we must not remain as babies who depend on milk alone, but we must grow up, and I'm paraphrasing this in Hebrews 5, 14, 15. We must grow up to become mature people who will be able to handle, able to eat the solid meat of God's word. Notice he's saying, milk is good, but don't live on milk. You need to grow up to eat solid meat. The things of God. Then in Hebrews chapter 6, he goes on to talk about what the solid meat of God's word is, which we must feed on. And how do you know you're ready if you're matured? Because he says, those who through continuous use are able to handle the word of God, they are able to discern good and evil. They have their senses exercised to discern good and evil. That's a sign of maturity. You yourself know what's right and wrong. A little child has to be told, don't go there, ma, don't go there, ma. But what's maturity? You know what's right and wrong. How do you get there? Through continuous use of the word of God. You're now able to handle the solid meat of God's word. And you've come to a place where you know what's right and wrong. So the point here is God's word is nourishment to our inner being. The question is, we are very faithful to feed our bodies three times a day at least. For some of us more often than that. The question is... How faithful are you in feeding your spirit man? How faithful are you in strengthening your inner person with the word of God? What we do not realize is that if we neglect feeding our inner man with the word of God, you are actually are spiritually starving. So when you reach a point in life where you have to face some challenges, there is pressure coming against you, you do not have the inner strength to push back and move forward. And you wonder why. The answer is very simple. You've been on a starvation diet. Or probably no diet at all. Nothing. No food to the inner man. So where are you going to get the strength to push back against the pressures of life that are coming in on you? How are you going to stand when there are tests and temptations and challenges? And let me say this. A little child, you couldn't expect a little child to carry a 15-pound weight. To carry that kind of weight, you need to grow up, have physical stature, and you'll be able to handle heavy weights. So also in the spirit realm. You want to be a man or woman who will be able to carry spiritual authority, spiritual responsibility. You need to grow up into that stature in the spirit. Then you'll be able to carry those 15 pound weights in the spirit realm. Amen. No choice. You've got to grow. You've got to develop that spiritual inner person in you by feeding it with the word. Develop the inner man so that then you'll be mature, strong, able to carry spiritual responsibility and authority and do things, accomplish things in the realm of the spirit. Another image that the Bible, about the Bible is this, it's seed. Uh, we know the parable of the sower. We read about it in Matthew 13 and Mark chapter 4 and Luke chapter 8. Jesus gave us a parable of the sower. He said, you know, somebody went out to sow some seed on the ground. Some of it fell on the wayside. Some of it fell among stony ground. Some fell among thorns. And some fell among good grounds. And... 
The seed that fell among the wayside, the birds of the air came and ate it up. The seed that fell among stony ground, they took root, but they couldn't go deep enough. And so when the, when the sun came on, they scorched and it dried. Some fell among thorns, and when they grew up, they were about to bring forth fruit. But the thorns choked them and destroyed the plants before they brought forth fruit. But the good ground, the plants grew up and brought forth 30, 60, or 30, 70, and 100 fold. The point that Jesus made is this. In Luke chapter 8 and verse 11, he said, the seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. Every word of God is like seed. Now, I'm sure many of us have held seeds in our hands. You know, you've tamarind seed. You probably had a tamarind seed in your hand or any other seed that you had in your hand. The seed looks very lifeless, very boring. It doesn't move. It doesn't speak. It doesn't sing. Nothing. But yet, it is full of potential and I know we can relate to that to the words many times you open the Bible especially if it's King James and it's like really boring so much so that many of us catch up on lost sleep over the Bible it looks very lifeless so boring but what you and I must understand is within every seemingly boring verse of Scripture there is potential for that word to produce itself in you. It's the seed. So long as that seed can find good ground, which means my heart must be prepared. My heart must be good ground. So when, I, when this verse of scripture jumps off the page, gets into my heart, and if my heart is ready, it will produce. God said, my word will not return to me white. The seed has the potential to produce in your life. But my heart must be ready. Keep the birds of the air out, which means give the devil no chance to come and steal the word with his confusions and lies and deceptions. Keep the rocks out. The rocks represent offenses because Jesus said, when you hear the word of God, and when persecution arises for the word's sake. So what are those rocks? They are offenses. When you start believing the word of God, you will face challenges directly opposing that word. When you start believing the Bible concerning something, you will face persecutions, afflictions, hardships that come run at you just for that sake of that word that you dare to believe. But if you will keep that out and say, no, I will hold the word, I'll hold on to the word, that is maintaining a good ground for the word to produce, that is keeping the rocks of persecutions, afflictions, and hardships out of your hearts. And then he said, the thorns, the thorns represent the cares of this world. We all have responsibilities, but no responsibility can be more important than the responsibility of being in the word of God. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, it's good to be successful, but that can never be more important than the word of God. The lusts of other things, the world has its attractions, and we need to guard ourselves against it, because if these things come in, Jesus said they will choke the word. That word, which carries the power and authority of Almighty God into your heart, becomes ineffective. The problem is not with the seed. It's with the ground. Amen? But the fact is, God's word is seed. It's designed to produce. Every promise that you read in the Bible will be fulfilled in your life. It's got it. It's inherent in it. It is seed. It will produce. God's word is also like water. In John 15, 3, Jesus said, Now you are clean. You've been washed by the word that I have spoken to you. 
God's word is like water. It washes us. Somebody said, you Christians are brainwashed. I said, my brains really needed a lot of washing. And that's true. Just as our bodies get contaminated, you go out in the city, you drive around every day, and then get dirty, come home, you have a bath. You need to do the same thing for your inner person. You get up, you go to school, you go to college, you go to your workplace, you, wherever you work, and, and uh, throughout the day, your mind is bombarded with all kinds of wrong things. The music that comes on FM radio, what you watch on television, what the friends in the office are discussing, all kinds of wrong things, ungodly things, perverse things, humanistic things, philosophies that contradict the word, and you're bombarded with these things. You and I need to have our souls washed by the word of God. So you go back to the word, you open the word as you're reading it, it dislocates all the contamination that came in, dislodges all the wrong ideas, all the reasonings of man, and begins to inundate your mind with the truth of God's word, his ways and his thoughts. Now replace the ways and thoughts of man. But think what happens if you don't do it. Think what happens if you go through a week, sometimes weeks, with your mind just exposed to everything you hear around you, contaminated with all the ungodliness, the wrong things that you hear, and you do not take time to wash yourself with the word, think what will happen. You'll come to church, that's good. You'll have a heart that's right, but a head that's wrong. So although in your heart you would want to serve God, the decisions you make, the choices you make, will be more dominated by what goes on here, which has been severely influenced by the world. And so the Bible calls these kind of people carnal Christians. Although in the hearts we are right, our minds are at enmity with God, so that we do not do the things that please God. Romans chapter 8 says. Why? Because we haven't taken time in the Word to allow the Word to wash our minds and renew and refresh our inner person. God's Word is also like a mirror. James chapter 1 verses 21 to 25 says this, you know, lay aside all wickedness and naughtiness and, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. And don't be just a hearer of the word but be a doer. For whoever looks into the perfect law of liberty, which is the word of God, God's word is called the perfect law of liberty, meaning the, the law, the word that sets us free. Whoever looks into the law of liberty is like a man who sees himself in a mirror. But then he forgets what kind of person he was and then he goes away. So is somebody who looks into the law of God but does not continue to do what he sees or what he reads. The point here is this. God's word is like a mirror. And I'm almost certain that every one of us spend at least a few minutes in front of the mirror every day. It's true. Some a little longer than the others. But I'm sure before you came to church this morning, you paid homage to the mirror. I'm sure every one of us did that. You got a good look at yourself. I look presentable. Fine. Proceed. Now, every time you read the Word, you're looking into the mirror. 
And this mirror tells you who you are in God. This mirror of God's word tells you that you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. This mirror of God's word tells you that God is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. This mirror of God's word tells you that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Whenever you look into God's word, it shows you who you really are. But if you forget what you saw, then the kind of person you, then what you behave, what you do, will not be aligned to what you saw. So he says, do not forget what you see in the mirror. Don't forget it. So when you go away from the mirror, go into your day's work, go into your time at school or in your workplace, you remember what you saw in the mirror and live according to it. He says, then you'll be blessed in your deeds. You live in accordance to what you saw in the mirror of God's word. Amen. A young man called me this last week and school has just started. So like many of us, many of the students here, they've just started school, gone into 11th standard. And he said, uh, very anxious, first day of school, new school. And so he said, uh, just, just hoping he'd have good friends and all that. And so this girl came up to him and started speaking to him. He's very happy. So he went back to school the next day, 11th standard, first PU. Went back to School, I'm calling it school, somebody call it. So I'm just saying, he goes back to school the next day, and another girl comes and talks to him, and this time he gets into a really good conversation, a lot of similarities, feels very excited, and he gets into this whole thing of infatuation and everything. And he's looking forward to the day, day three in school, because he thinks he's found the love of his life on day two. So day three, he goes back to school and uh, they're sitting in the auditorium having a great conversation. Everything, everything goes well. And uh, on day four, for some reason, they break up. He's devastated. This first week of school, first PU. And so he's heartbroken, totally devastated. Called the pastor. But he did the right thing. So he calls me up and speaks to him. I said, what happened? He says, I'm in a serious problem. I said, okay. <laughs> like, what serious problem is this? And he goes through the whole thing, all that happened the first four days. And I said, hey, guy, I'm so glad it happened. <laughs> you must be really happy that it happened. I said, why? You know, you're only in first PUC. You're only 11th standard. This is not the time to worry about the love of your life. Forget it. And I gave him good advice. I said, wait till you're 25. I said, wait till your brain catches up with your body. Because you need to mature. You need to go through some life experiences. And, and so right now, just focus on your studies. Be friends with everybody. Wait till you're 25 and you've gone through experiences in life. You know, when you know yourself, and at that time, you, find, you go about finding the love of your life. Okay. Good thing is he took my advice. And, um, and I said, uh, for now, just focus on your studies. Focus on developing yourself so that you can be the best that you can be in life. Focus on that. But then he came up with this one thing. But he said, I feel... I've lost my value. I feel I have no worth. So what do you mean? Because that girl rejected me. We've got to fix that. In other words, I said, I told him, see, listen, 
your true worth is not determined by whether some girl likes you or not. Because everybody has different tastes. Your true worth is found in God. That's your true worth and that will never change. Amen. That's it. Forget about if that girl likes you or not. It doesn't mean anything. It does not diminish your worth a little. What God says about you, what the value God has put on you, that's your true worth. And you see it on the cross. God sent his only son to die for you. That's how much you, he values you. That's your true worth. A light bulb came on in him. Thank God it did. <laughs> so he's a happy young man now. He knows what to do. Be friends with everybody. Focus on your studies. Become the best you that you can be. Wait till you're 25. Pastor said 25. Then you go about finding the love of your life. Anyway, I said all that because God's word is like a mirror. It gives you your true worth. Don't find your true worth in the eyes of man. Because it can vary. Your true worth is in the mirror of God's word. A couple of more things. God's word is like fire and hammer. Jeremiah 23, 29. God said, is not my word like fire? And like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces. God's words like fire. Fire burns up the chaff. It burns up the flesh. It burns up the things that are wrong. So if you and I allow the word of God to get into our hearts and our lives, it will burn up the things that are wrong. Disintegrate it. Get it out of us. But fire also kindles. If your passion, if your fervency in the spirit is diminishing, add some fire to it. The fire of God's word. It'll keep you strong, keep you passionate all the time. The fire will keep growing stronger and stronger. And you say, like, how could you keep that fire burning so long? It's because you're feeding your spirit with the word of God, the fire of his word. It keeps that flame burning and getting it stronger and stronger and stronger. God's word is also like hammer. And many of us need to get hammered. Meaning, there are areas in our lives that are hard, that are stubborn. Where we resist the ways of God. But the word of God. If I give an entrance to that area of our life. And just break it down. And bring you pliable. And flexible. And into alignment to God. And we need that. Lastly the word of God is like a sword. Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is alive and powerful. It penetrates right down. To the division of soul and spirit. And it discerns the thoughts and the intents of our heart. Meaning it is God's word that can penetrate right down to the deepest part of our being. And some of us, we need to pray and say, God, get really deep in me. Because there are things that need to be taken out by the roots deep inside. How is that going to happen? It's the word of God that can reach down at the deep recesses of your soul where no human person can ever reach. And if you and I are looking for permanent change, all permanent change comes from within. All permanent change comes from within. When the word of God gets within you, reaches down to those deepest parts of you, which no man, no human counselor, no psychologist, no psychiatrist can reach, when the word penetrates there, it will bring about permanent change. It's one sword that can reach to the depths of our spirit. Amen. 
The word of God is also a sword that you and I use against the enemy in Ephesians 6, 17. It says, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, in our combat against the enemy. You need to speak the word of God. The spoken word that comes out of your mouth is a double-edged sword that goes out against the enemy. God's word is a sword for us to use in our warfare against the enemy. So this is what the word of God can do for you and me. How important it is for us to give time for the word. Amen. Let me just quickly finish up with a few action points here. What must we do with the word? You know, get God's word in. God's word on the printed page. As long as it remains there but doesn't get into our hearts, will not do much for us. Psalm 119 and verse 130 says, The entrance of your words give light. It's got to enter in. Get God's word in. So you and I need to set some time aside. Whatever suits your schedule, maybe the first thing in the morning, maybe in the afternoon, maybe at night, whatever suits your schedule is fine. God's awake 24-7. You set time aside for the word because you know it's important for you. Amen? Make time. Open the Bible. Read its pages. It's milk, it's bread, it's solid food. It's water that washes your mind. It's seed that is being sown in your heart. It's the fire of God that burns up all the chaff. It's the fire of God that keeps your passion burning. It's the hammer of God that will break down the stubborn heart pieces of my heart. It is the sword of God that pierces even the deepest part of my being to bring about permanent change in my life. All this and more will happen as you take time to let that word get into you. Amen. Get the word in. In addition to reading the Bible, setting time aside to read it, I'd encourage you to use modern technology. You know, many of us have mobile phones onto which we can download MP3s, sermons, audio Bibles. I do that. And you can download all our Sunday morning sermons or all our recent Sunday morning sermons off, our, off the internet. It'll be up on Monday or Tuesday. Go download the sermon. It's good to hear the word of God two or three times just in case you were asleep during one certain part of it, you know. Oh, I missed that. I'll catch it in that, you know. So download the sermons. Put on your phone. Or download the sermons of other great men and women of God. And today, you can access sermons from many, any preacher in the world, almost. And I, I like to listen to Bill Johnson. I download all his sermons and listen to them. Put them on my phone. So when I'm driving to work, I'm listening. Driving home, I'm listening. Driving somewhere else, I'm listening. I'm listening to the word of God almost at every opportunity I get. Never stop learning. Never stop hearing God's word. And you can do it. Put them on your phone. Listen to the word of God. It's much better than all the honking around you. So take advantage of it. Now, this is not to substitute opening the Bible and reading it. They don't say, oh, I'm listening to it on the phone, on the car. I mean, that has value. But you need that solitude, the time of solitude in God's presence, reading the word quietly without all the honking and the noise around you. You need that. So do that. Plus add to it the time that you travel, listening to sermons of your the MP3 sermons and so on. And also to encourage you, read good books. You say, Pastor, I can't read the Bible. You're telling me to read good books. No, 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 no. You can make time. I tell you, when I was in school, I had the privilege of being driven to school. We had a driver who would drive us to school. But I took advantage of that. Every morning when the driver would take us from Palace Orchards to Bishop Cotton Boys. 
sometimes 15 minutes, sometimes 20 minutes, I'd be reading. Driving back from school home, I'd be reading. I don't know how many Christian books I read sitting in a car. I don't know. Just took advantage of all those moments to read Christian books. I still do. Every opportunity I get, I may not be reading as much as I used to do because there's so many other responsibilities, but I still make it a point to read Christian books. Why? Because God doesn't speak everything he wants to tell just to you. You're not that special. God releases revelation to so many different people, and we need to learn from each other. So I read, still read, still listen to sermons. Sometimes I have to listen to my own sermons. I read. Sometimes I read my own books. What did I write? Read good Christian books. Put the word of God in to your heart. Believe the word of God. Engage with God's word, not only with your head, but also with your hearts. Believe it. So you open the Bible, you read a promise, say, God, that promise, I want to see it happen in my life. I believe it can happen. Engage your heart with the word of God. It's like the angel who came to Mary and said, Mary, you know, the God's Holy Spirit will come on you. will give birth to a child. Mary's response in Luke 135 was simply this. Be it unto me according to your words. Be it unto me according to your word. So when you read the word of God, you say, God, let this happen in my life. I see this promise. I am not satisfied in reading that promise, underlining it, coloring it, circling it. That's not what this is about. I see that promise. I want that promise fulfilled in my life. Engage. Believe the word. And God's response is always the same. Like it says in Luke 1.38, Mary, the response to Mary was this, Blessed are you who believed, for there will be a performance of those things which are spoken to you of the Lord. You believed it, so you'll have a performance of it. You will see it happen in your life. So believe the word. Do the word or obey the word. When we honor God, when we obey the word, when we do the word, we are honoring God. When you're reading something, it says forgive. Okay, I need to tell that to James. He needs to forgive his wife. I read a verse of scripture. That was for him. No, no, no. It's for you. Amen? See, we are so good at reading scripture and we'll text it off to somebody. My job's over. I read my Bible. I got a good verse. I sent it off to somebody else. Listen, you read the Bible. That verse is for you. If you read in the Bible, forgive those, forgive your enemies, forgive those who have offended you, then you obey it. But you don't know how, what I've been through. I know. We've all been through stuff in life. But that's where the grace of God comes in to help us walk according to the word. So you pray. Say, God, give me grace. Give me grace. I read something in the Bible, God, that's impossible for me to do in my natural self, but give me the grace to do it. He'll give you. If he sees a willingness in you, he will give you the ability. That's Philippians 2.13. It is God who works in us both to will and to do his good pleasure. He makes us both willing and able to do his word. So you see something in the Bible, you find yourself unable to do it. Say, God, first of all, Lord, I'm so far away from this. Get me to be willing to do it. He'll help you to come to a place where you're willing to do it. And then when you say, God, I'm willing, but I don't have the strength, he'll give you the ability to do it. Amen? But obey the word. And lastly, talk the word. You know, 
talk the word. God wants his word to be part of our conversation. Talk about it. Confess the word, of course. Speak your words of faith. Use it as a double-edged sword against the enemy. But also generally talk the word. You know, parents, please look at me. You need to talk God's word with your children throughout the week. You know, we parents, we think Selena is the godmother. Send the kids to children's church two hours on Sunday. Expect them to walk like angels at home. What did they teach? And if they do something wrong, say, what did they teach you in Sunday school? You've got bad teachers in Sunday school. I need to send an email to Pastor Ashish. Listen, parents. Sending your kid for two hours to Sunday school will not make an angel out of him or her. Take it from me. What you do during the week has more impact. And I'm not diminishing children's church. They're doing a good job. I'm not diminishing the, the fact that God works in children's church. Please. But parents, we have a responsibility. Now, I know the first excuse is, don't have time for this. I mean, forget reading my own Bible. You're telling me i got to teach my kids the Bible. I mean, I'm so busy. My manager's after me. I've got to send this report. You know, I got this to do, I got that to do. Where do I have time to engage in such kind of a conversation with my kids? Listen, you got to make the time. And really, it's very easy. Because all you've got to do is capture the teachable moments that happen in everyday life. Your little girl comes running back to you saying, Mommy, uh, you know, this girl, they treated me bad. Okay, here's a teachable moment. She take your little daughter and say, okay, you know, what did God say? Now, please don't use King James Version. Use simple English. What did God say? He said, forgive those who hurt you. Did that girl hurt you? Did that girl hurt you? Can you forgive? Can you forget? Can you make friends again? Yeah. You've taught them forgiveness from the words. Or maybe they failed in something. Now, most parents say, are you useless? You failed in this. That's not teaching them anything. But what do you take them aside? You say, you know, you failed in this, but that's not the end of your world. God's plan for your life is not defeated just because you failed in maths. Or whatever. God is with you. And you can do all things through Christ. What are you doing? You're using a teachable moment in everyday life to speak the word. And that's what God told his people to do in Deuteronomy 6 verses 6 and 7. He said, and these words which I command you shall be in your heart. And you will teach them diligently to your children. You will talk of them when you sit in your house, when you rise up, when you come in, when you go out, and when you lie down. That's what I want you to do. Talk the word. Anytime. Coming in, going out, sitting down, rising up, lying down. Talk the word. That's how you teach them to your children. Amen. I encourage all of us to do that. Just use moments in everyday life. After I spoke to that young man on the phone, I suddenly had a self-revelation. I said, my son Joshua is in the ninth. It's not too far away from the 11th. Maybe it's time I had a talk with him. So I went home. Very serious. At the dinner table, 
Joshua, Ruth, my family sitting there. So kids, I need to talk to you. Like, okay, something serious is coming up. And I went through this experience and I said, okay, kids, some important things. Don't fall in love until you're 25. <laughs> Joshua, what age? 25. Ruth, what age? 25. Okay. <laughs> until you grow up, until you have enough experiences in life to make this all-important decision on whom you're going to love for life. Okay, yeah. Until then, just be friends with everybody. All the boys, all the girls, they're all your friends. Then Ruth asks, can I have a best friend? I said, yes, as long as it's a girl. <laughs> you can have good friends. <laughs> you can have best friends, no problem. Okay. Then take it a step further. I mean, this is a teachable moment. You've got to teach everything. And one more thing, kids, yes. Don't let anybody touch your body. Meaning, you've got to preserve your body till you get married. Oh. Now, Amy had already spoken to Ruth some of those things. So, okay, they understand. No kissing. Keep your body till you get married. Now, this happened at the dinner table after a revelation hit me. <laughs> the point is this, you know, parents use teachable moments. You, know, you don't have to wear your holy, whole high priestly gown and walk into the living room and say, children, come. I'll probably run from you. <laughs> but just use ordinary, teachable moments in life. Talk about stuff. Amen? That's how they learn. And young people, it's the same thing. I mean, when you get together as, as a group of young people, you know, you may be sitting in Coffee Day or Barista or wherever, KFC or McDonald's or wherever you're going, or going hanging out with your friends, Christian friends, believers. Of course, you can talk about Sachin, and you can talk about Messi and Ronaldo and, and whoever else you want to talk about, and all that's good. But I want to challenge you, talk the word. In KFC, yeah, over chicken. Talk the word. So, but that is not fashionable. Forget about what's fashionable or not. Let's deal with priorities. Let's deal with what's important. You know, the Bible says in the book of Malachi that God, and this is real, it's in your Bible, God makes a note when he sees two people talking his word here on earth. So you may be sitting in KFC and discussing God's word with somebody in heaven. It's written down. James spoke to Rohit about the Bible today. It's there. He makes a note in heaven. When you, when he sees people talking his word here on earth. Let me just give you the scripture just in case you don't believe me. Sorry. All right. Malachi chapter 3 verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord. These are the APC teens and 20s. They spoke to one another at coffee day. And the Lord listened to them and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him. For those who feared the Lord and who meditate on his name. Those who feared the Lord, they spoke to each other about God. And what did God do? He said, put their names down in the book of remembrance. Write it down. They spoke about me sitting in coffee day, talking about how, what I did in their life. Write it down. Wow. Guys, girls, talk the word. In your homes, when you get together, 
on the football field, on the sports field, wherever you go. It's okay. It's very trendy. Take it from me. To talk the word. Because your name is recorded in heaven every time you talk about him with somebody else. So what do I talk? Just what did, what did you learn this morning? What did you read in the Bible? What are you going through in life? And what is God teaching you through what you're going through in life? Share it with somebody. Talk to somebody. Maybe you read a good book. Hey, I read this book, man. It teaches me so much about this. Why don't you read it? Or you heard a good sermon on Sunday morning at APC. When you're sitting, in, you know, wherever, having a cup of coffee. Talk. I heard this, man. You know, pastor was saying this. He cracked the joke. But it was a poor joke. But the joke penetrated deep into my heart. <laughs> and it changed me. Whatever. Talk the words. Amen. We need to become passionate about the word of God. Paul's final words to the leaders at Ephesians in Acts 20 verse 32. He said, now brethren. He was on his way to Jerusalem and then on to Rome. His final words. He says, brethren, I commend you to the word to God and to the word of his grace. Which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in Christ. God's word will build you up to the place where you can now walk in your inheritance. Why is it that so many believers are not walking? Why are we not walking in our inheritance? Because we have not allowed the word to build us up and enable us to walk in our inheritance. I commend you, brethren, to the God and to the word of his grace. Purpose in your heart that you will make time for the Bible. You'll make time for God's word. Whatever suits your schedule in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, it doesn't matter. Begin with 15 minutes, and it will grow. It'll become half an hour, it'll become an hour. The time will just grow naturally. Read the Bible very sequentially. That's a good way to read it, just you know, chapter by chapter. Read a chapter a day or whatever you can read. Just sequentially go through it. Meditate on what you read. Let it get into you. Don't read it just because you need to, need to read a chapter, but read it because you want that word to become milk or bread or strong meat to you. Read it because you want that word to wash you. Read it because you want that word to become seed in your heart and produce in your life. Read it because you want that word to be fire and hammer in you. Read it because you want that word to become a double-edged sword that pierces into the deepest part of you and brings about permanent change. Read it because you want that word to become a sword that you will use against the enemy. Read it purposefully. Make time to do that. His word is a revelation of who he is. You will see God in the Bible. His word carries his power and authority, brings his power into your life. His word is a solemn promise to you. You can count on it. You can rely on it. You can rest your whole life on that word. God's word. May the Lord help each one of us to truly purpose in our hearts to give his word its rightful place in our lives. Trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.